That's the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Tonight is the 2021 season kickoff. It's June 23rd, 2021. Cheers, Jason. Cheers, David. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by Dave, David Biggs. Dave, say hi to the people. I feel like you almost forgot who I was there for a second, but I'm here. I'm still here. Hello, everybody. It's always an awkward sentence, and I've never figured out how to put it out right. <laughs> I am joined, as always, by David Biggs. It just doesn't sound right when I'm saying it. Yeah, I get you. Um, so we're back for the 2021 NFL season. Um, some new things this year. Well, we're on YouTube for the second year in a row, and we're on video. We'll be on video all year long this year. I don't know if we started the season on video last year. I don't think we did. I think we picked it up about halfway through. Um, yeah, so to the best of my recollection, um, I think it was episode five or six uh, in, in which we started doing it on video, and we had a lot of people joining us and asking questions, and that's super great. Yeah. And uh, even the people that came on to argue with us or, or give us some uh, information that wasn't even real, we still appreciate you anyway. Yeah, and uh, a little bit. If you are joining us live, you can go to the chat room and uh, you know say hi to us, ask us questions about what's going on. Uh, you know, during the season, obviously, ask us lineup questions and drop questions, all of that fun stuff. We'll do a little bit of the more abstract, uh, longer-term thinking for fantasy football uh, tonight, and you know, just kind of talk about some of the changes. Uh, that have come about. We're going to go over eight teams that have the most changes or have been the most impacted by the offseason so far, whether it be the draft or the free agent acquisitions or perhaps those they've lost. Um, and so, you know, to get started, uh, Dave gave us a couple of notes here. We have 78 days from the NFL starting. I believe that would be the Thursday night kickoff then, wouldn't it? Yeah, so 78 days, a little bit over two months. And then we can all uh, make fun of each other and uh, lambast each other and make fun of each other's moms. I mean, that's going to start during the drafts. Let's be honest. <laughs> I hope so, anyways. Well, this is the this is the precursor to all of the great fantasy football fun. It's just more fun, just a different kind of fun. Okay, and you have informed me and thus the rest of us that NFL players have until 4 p.m. next Friday to opt out of the 2021 season. Right. Do you think anyone's going to do it this year? Yeah, I don't know, and I don't want to get too into uh, the coronavirus thing since everyone's been into it for a year and a half almost, right? But w the good news is that uh, for the most part, um, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that impactful uh, this year as far as attendance, people going to games, the players themselves. But there are some issues that will pop up still. Yeah. There's still going to be a CVD IR to the best of my knowledge. Um, and uh, there's a change that they made for this year as opposed to last year which is that uh, those players who decide to, um, to opt out but don't have any medical reason to do so will get no stipend. So last year it was $150,000. Right. Uh, this year there's no stipend since there's not really a, um, a reason for them to do so and as far as the NFL is concerned. Okay. So That's I think, as you know, there's some stuff going on in Buffalo and some on some other teams of, <laughs> of people that are – have opposing viewpoints, and right now this discussion. No, Dave. They just love freedom. 
Well, right now this discussion is just a discussion, but soon it will be more than that. Soon it will it'll end up being people maybe not playing, maybe retiring, maybe getting in lawsuits. Uh, we hope that that doesn't happen. But Nobody is forcing the vaccine on anyone. Yeah, exactly. As far as I can tell. Right, and, and uh, I, I don't think that's... And that's a politically charged thing that we're pretty much stay away from. Yeah, exactly. But it's still going to be a thing. There will, in, in some regards, uh, be conversation about this for a while. Yeah. I suppose if Drink 5 had a stance, it would be to listen to your doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at uh, another situation going on in Houston. Deshaun Watson has been embroiled, if you will, which is a very... Um, is that like a Burger King it's, term? It's a very journalistic term that is only ever used uh, in headlines and things like that. In controversy, he's embroiled in controversy. Um, and uh, there's lots of pending lawsuits, I think, is the correct term at the moment. And uh, a pending suspension, probably. Um, and it sounds like uh, it's a situation that is not close to being resolved, which is the, you know, the, the only way that I could put it. Yeah, so, so all the news that I've seen, some people have said, you know, he may play as early as next year or even this year. Uh, there's been no statement from the NFL yet as far as whether he'll be put on the commissioner's uh, exempt, um, um, what do you call it, just the list, an exempt list. It's, yeah, the commissioner's exempt list, which is just basically you're not playing for now. Yeah. I forget who was on it most recently uh, in, a, in, in a big deal, but... But um, but ultimately the problem here is that they're not they're not uh, uh, talking to the um, the witnesses or the accusers in this case uh, until later this year or next year and the the case isn't actually scheduled to be heard at least currently until next year and because of that and because of all the situation and drama surrounding it um, we might not get any kind of resolution to this uh, until the following year or the year after. Uh, depends on how long the bureaucracy uh, go ahead, uh, it drags out, right? So right. there's some problems here, and uh, I think the commentary on Sports Edge, uh, which was more recently Roto World, but then bought by M NBC, um, unceremoniously, uh, but but still, it's Sports Edge now, so I'm going to call it by its proper name. Um, they have said that... I would have kept calling it Roto World, so, okay. They have said... Are you, is this familiar to you, or is this news? I, I have the page up. No, no, I knew that, that it was purchased. I feel like NBC has owned Roto World for many years. But they didn't, like... They didn't rebrand it until yeah. this past offseason. This is a great... Or late last year. This is a great resource that we've used for a long time, Roto World, that has this up-to-date uh, knowledge. Uh, Sports current events. Plus. So, I'm sure that they're going to make Don't you forget the plus. It. Soon enough, there'll be a three dollar a month subscription rate or something. I might actually pay it because the news is awesome. Uh, you know what? I, it is what I use to look at multiple times a day during the uh, during the season yeah. in order to get the most up to date news. You have told us in the past that the place to get the place where they get their news is going to be all the beat reporters on Twitter, for the most part. Yeah, they're basically aggregators, but they do it so quickly that it's up there almost instantly. Hey, yeah, give me give me a good aggregator. I don't need to be the earliest of early adopters. Yeah. So uh, what they had said, or at least the commentator had said, which I somewhat agree with, is that this is either going to turn into um, uh, something where uh, Deshaun is, uh, is, is guilty and it becomes this huge, horrible case and then there's all sorts of repercussions that befall him, or he's going to be... Uh, innocent and there's going to be this giant issue with the NFL 
having um, and and you know um, and his team. Yeah, and not only that, but the fact that um, that he kind of lost or would have lost like multiple years uh, in what they would call his prime. His um, in his position. He's certainly been defamed. If it turns out that he did nothing wrong. But and, and I don't have an, an opinion on this in particular, except that since we're going to bring up Dynasty a couple times during this show, um, if I was a Dynasty owner, and I happen to be, uh, I think you could sell him for extremely cheap right now. People are still picking him up in um, uh, in startup leagues um, as a quarterback two or a quarterback three uh, for their team. But Deshaun Watson, is, as far as his talent level, is a top five quarterback. So... I don't see any way that you could reasonably, in a dynasty league, let that guy go, um, you know, for pennies. So it's just, unfortunately for owners, you just got to hold on to him and see what the he heck He will happens. play football again. If you're a dynasty owner, you just got to sit on it. Yeah. So speaking of dynasty teams, we're going to have a little fun question to get started tonight. And if you're listening, maybe you guys can chime in. I know that some of the people in the chat room are in dynasty leagues with us. So Dave, who is one guy that you just can't seem to cut from your dynasty roster because we're coming up upon the dynasty rookie drafts uh we have one this week we have another one in a couple of weeks and uh you're gonna have to cut down some of the players from last year in order to make room for the new players coming up do you have one as well that you're thinking of yeah you know we've got uh we're each in uh because i have two one leagues. yeah you can give me one and i'll give you one of mine well so so my guy is easy right and that's uh sammy watkins Sammy Watkins, and I drafted, I drafted him in a league, and Sammy Watkins has been good occasionally. One year he was really good. Most years he gets injured or is very disappointing. And this particular year, uh, he was cut uh, or, or, or uh, traded, I forget exactly the situation, to the Baltimore Ravens, uh, so from Kansas City to Baltimore. And I just can't imagine a scenario in which Sammy Watkins is some standout player on the Ravens. With it's funny. I, I read next. your generic offseason means nothing headline. Sammy Watkins is the best player in camp right now. Yes. Headline earlier today. <laughs> so it was funny uh, that you brought that well, up. He's a talented guy, but, you know, every time I keep him on my team and try to put him in the, in the lineup, he'll get you two points or he'll sit out the game. Or, right. Yeah. So um, in a two-quarterback league, I've got Jared Stidham. And I've held on to him for too long, so I'm going to have to bite the bullet and just cut him. And his former teammate, Rex Burkhead, I think is going to be on the chopping block as well. There you go. So they're guys that I have had a hard time cutting in the past that uh, they're just going to have to go this year. I don't have uh, I don't have a place. I don't have a good justification a place for keeping heart. them. They'll always have a place in my heart. Well, as, as far as I can tell... Uh, when we have these guys that are not making it into your starting lineup ever, uh, you know, and they and they still are there year over year, then it's just time for them to be replaced by someone, anyone with upside. So, in my other league, it's a single quarterback league, full PPR though. I've got Miles Boykin, who I drafted in 2019, has sat on my bench for two years now, mm -hmm. and he's ranked WR 108 according to uh, Flea Flicker. I I can't imagine that on a team where I have great wide receiver starters, that Miles Boykin is going to ever provide any kind of value to me. Right, I don't think so either. So I think he's going to get cut, and I'll pick another wide receiver in the draft this year that will sit on my team for two years and do nothing. Well, just try to pick someone with upside that at least gives you the opportunity to maybe sell him to an unsuspecting uh, uh, <laughs> co cohort in your league. 
Um, but yeah, that's tough. We can have a whole podcast, and we probably will, about guys to cut as uh, as these deadlines approach uh, from the regular season. And even in our regular redraft podcast throughout the season, we we often have a you know a cut list segment. And it is a fun segment. What, what's the most important thing on a week-to-week basis? It's who you pick up and who you cut. It's your team manager. Absolutely. That will get you to the finals or, you know, you'll be on the chopping block. If at line. least you can keep the good players out of other people's hands, you have a really good chance at winning. Mm. Right. So let's move on to the teams that we want to talk about who have made lots of changes for the year. Like I said, some of this is going to be draft picks. So we're going to analyze each of these eight teams based on their new draft picks. Their departed players, their acquired free agents, and their management, whether or not they're under new management, if perhaps they're going to have a, diff- a new focus. And these are in no particular order. We didn't rank them. Absolutely correct. I'm glad you said that's correct, and you're like, no, I ranked them. This is what I was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their new draft picks, obviously, round one, pick one, quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Um, so ever since he started playing college football, he's been projected to probably be the number one overall pick in this draft. I think it was always known that this is when he would end up coming out. Um, he did win the 2019 National Championship game against Alabama, one of the few teams ever to beat Alabama in the championship game. So he's got that under his belt. Uh, the Jaguars have not had a good quarterback for, I don't know how long, since Mark Brunel, maybe, since one good year of Blake Bortles. There was a guy you really liked the other year, though. Uh, you were, you were. Well, there's Gardner Minshew. You were on the Minshew bandwagon. Oh yeah, I love the Minshew mania. <laughs> He's still on the team. He just is the backup. Yeah. Um, and that's probably a great backup for Trevor Lawrence. Justifiably a backup, even though he had a, a string of good games. It doesn't look He's like. Still at one in fifteen. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, the the Jaguars finally have a proper franchise player to build behind. Trevor Lawrence is the sort of once-in-a-generation uh, talent, according to the scouting reports. One of the scouting reports that I had read compared him to, uh, compared his skills right now to Peyton Manning's skills in his second season on the Colts, which is just blows my mind. Trevor Lawrence also a better athlete than Peyton Manning was at that point in his career, uh, certainly than Peyton Manning is today. So uh, another pick that they had, round one, pick 25, Travis Etienne. He is um, a surprise to me that they would pick a running back, but I think that Urban Meyer uh, really liked him and has a plan to use him because, you know, last year we saw James Robinson have great success, probably the best undrafted free agent running back uh, season that we've ever seen. Uh, so he was, Etienne is the second running back off the board in the draft. I think right behind, didn't the Steelers take one at 24? Um, Sounds right. So, yeah, right behind him there. Um, but like I said, it's clear Urban Meyer is going to have a plan for him if they're going to spend such a high draft pick on him. They spent the 45th overall pick on an offensive tackle. They picked up a tight end and a wide receiver in the 5th and 6th rounds. So um, I really like these guys at the top of the draft, uh, the, the tackle, Etienne, and Lawrence, to be playing probably right away. They're going to influence the team immediately. It's going to have a huge impact. They're going to be better than 1-15. in 15. You know, I, I pretty much can guarantee that right now. So I think Lawrence will be the starter in week one. And, um, you know, you're going to see the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, be a playoff team within the next two or three years, but not right away. They'll probably be a six and, what will be, six and 11 now. Not the NFL is switching to 17 games in the regular season. 
which we didn't talk about much, but it doesn't really have a lot of impact in most leagues because it'll just extend the regular season for one game. Right. I think that's what will happen for most uh, leagues, unless they want to start doing two-week championships or something like that, which perhaps um, uh, is worth looking at again, but I don't care for it. I would rather do a 14-week regular season. You know, sometimes we, we have shows about uh, uh, commissioning uh, leagues or dynasty leagues or redraft leagues or the different types of leagues or the rules within those leagues. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been interested for a while because I've only really ever played leagues that have one championship and then you're done. There's actually some that I've seen that do three weeks. I kind of like the idea of... Uh, you know, a, a team doing well over a period of time, maybe taking precedence over a team doing well once. But then again, most of the leagues that we've been in have a little bit of parity with the actual NFL or any sports league uh, in that if you lose, then you're out. Sure. And that's, you know, that's that's what's great about the playoffs. We're not doing best of seven, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is not baseball. We're not doing a series. That's right. You're, you're one and done. <laughs> uh, so players departing from the Jaguars were Tyler Eifert, he was a tight end, D.D. Westbrook, wide receiver, Chris Thompson, running back, kind of um, all-around guy, Keelan Cole, wide receiver. Um, I don't see the team missing any of these guys. You know, they've got Tim Tebow at tight end to replace Tyler Eifert. Oh. No big deal there. <laughs> so acquired free agents Marvin Jones, wide receiver Philip Dorsett, wide receiver Carlos Hyde, running back And for you Dave, I threw in Laquan Treadwell Well there's another guy that I did have on my Dynasty League For too many years before dropping him But yeah. he is just a speck of the radar I don't uh, expect him to dearly make departed. 53 man roster He's a talented uh, wide receiver And he actually did he's some a talented work athlete. On, on, uh, I don't know if he's a talented wide receiver well, He did some work on the Vikings But you're right, he had never developed into an every uh, snap player so there's a lot of youth on this team. I understand uh, bringing the uh, veteran presence on the field. I'm talking about Marvin Jones now. He is, aside from Tebow, the oldest player on the team. So I believe that when they break camp and they have 53 players, Marvin Jones will be the oldest player on the team. I don't see any way that Tim Tebow makes the roster on this team. Um, he so, is like literally the neighbor of Urban Meyer. So Also, Urban Meyer was the coach at Florida when Tim Tebow won all those championships and Heisman trophies there. We'll say this. If he doesn't make the team, then he's never playing he's football He's just throwing again. him a bone. <laughs> yeah. You know, just getting his old pal into camp for one more year. You're going to hate it when Tim Tebow's their tight end, aren't you? I'm not going to care that much unless he Tebow's. Because he'll be a tight end slash quarterback somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I agree, They would not do that to Trevor Lawrence. I agree with you that most likely Tebow is not of, of concern. So I, I like uh, Marvin Jones here. I think that uh, he's the kind of guy that can stay on the field all game long. He can have a very positive impact on the team. They're a very young team. Um, they had LaVisca Chenault last year. They had, uh, I better pull up my depth charts. <laughs> well, the bad thing about depth charts in June is that none of them are right. Well, and they're all, like, they all contain 80 players, 90 players. Yeah. So <laughs> we have, um, you know, give me depth charts. DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault listed as the starters. Um, Philip Dorsett listed as a backup. Uh, that makes sense to me. So I, I like Jones. He last year had the most targets of his career. Uh, he had a career-high 68.1% catch percentage. He scored nine touchdowns in three of the last four seasons. And presumably, he was like the third target on the Lions. Mm -hmm. Unless there was injuries ahead of him. 
So I think he's still going to be fantasy relevant because Lawrence is not going to be the kind of rookie that only can throw to like one or two guys. He is going to be the kind of guy who right away can dish the ball all around the field. So I like Marvin Jones as um, probably a mid-round uh, draft pick. So they are under new management, the Jaguars are. Urban Meyer, you love him, you hate him, but you have to acknowledge the fact that he's one of the most successful and influential college football coaches in the last 20 years. This is the first time he's getting an NFL head coaching gig. Um, and, it, you know, he's coming out of retirement, technically. He was a uh, – he was – the coach at Ohio State, and they retired and did um, just television. So, um, one of only three coaches who led multiple teams to college football championships. The other two, Nick Saban and Pop Warner. Pop Warner. Pop Warner, an actual person, Pop Warner. <laughs> uh, we did forget, pardon us for being a little rusty, to talk about what we're drinking tonight. So, what uh, Dave has just finished, and I'm still drinking is the Pursuit of Freedom from uh, the Revolution Brewing. It's one of their uh, Sour Series beers. I think it's the newest one. It's a Session Sour Ale with watermelon and natural mint flavor. So uh, I'm a big fan of this one. And Dave, what did you just crack open? Yeah, that series is good. And a shout out to uh, one of my friends um, and um, um, uh, compatriots in fantasy football, a couple of leagues that I'm in, uh, Vince. Because he kind of put me on this uh, lower-calorie IPA. There's a whole bunch of these kinds of beers. Mm -hmm. He didn't have this particular one, but this is a Firestone Walker beer. It's called Firestone Flyjack, which is a hazy India pale ale, one of my favorite kinds of beer, but only 96 calories per can. So, uh, not to get into it too much, but sometimes you go to a brewery and you get an IPA, and you don't know that that thing is as much as, like, half a sandwich. <laughs> Well, it's nice that, you know, you can have a low-calorie beer that still has flavor. Exactly. You know, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I love your assessment. we, we got to move on and, and check out some of these other teams. Do yeah. you have anything else to add about the Jaguars? Uh, no, let's talk about another football team. All right, so Washington football team. Uh, new draft picks after selecting some highly graded players on defense to, and to support their offensive line, which is some of these teams that I'm going to go over uh, we're not going to talk about all of the picks that they made for obvious reasons, right? We're going to talk about the uh, the guys that are more fantasy relevant and in offensive positions, um, especially where applicable. But uh, because we're talking about the teams that were most improved, some of those teams might have been so uh, also because of the work that they did on uh, the defense or the offensive line. And the offensive line work really uh, helps the quarterback. So uh, after the first two picks that they made uh, on the draft, the Washington football team selected Deami Brown from North Carolina. That's pick 82, round three. He was rated actually as an early second-round prospect from a whole lot of scouts, but for some reason fell to the next round a little bit later. And this is later in round three. So it was kind of surprising that that happened. The funny thing is uh, the Redskins actually, uh, sorry, the football team, <laughs> actually picked up Terry McLaurin uh, in the draft that they selected him in, and he was also one of those people that kind of fell a little bit. So in some respects, uh, over the past couple of years, the football team has done a good job of selecting some of these wide receivers or skill position players that have dropped down in the draft. Uh, Diami is a outside receiver who has good hands. He stretches the field, excels at double moves, and uh, he'll allow for opportunities to be opened up elsewhere which is really great for a guy like McLaurin, who didn't have anyone else on the team 
that was vying for attention from the opposing secondary. That's true. So it'll be nice to have that guy there. There are more people that I'll talk about shortly that they added as well. You'll be surprised at the wide receiver room on the football team. Uh, the round four selection of tight end John Bates from Boise State was pretty unexpected. Uh, he is a decent blocking tight end, but he was actually rated by most to fall into like the sixth or seventh round. So a lot of people looked at that selection from the football team as a bad one. Um, of course, they were looking for depth at the tight end position, but uh, I think that there was kind of a reach for them. And their final pick was used on a player named Dax Milne from uh, BYU, who actually caught tons of passes from Zach Wilson, one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the draft, and he profiles as a possession slot receiver. Unfortunately for him, the receiver room is quite full at the moment. In fact, they just uh, acquired someone from Tennessee to play that exact position, so I don't think Dax is really going to be seen out on the field in 2021. Yeah. Uh, Robert Foster signed on with the Dolphins. He was on the football team last year. And Alex Smith... You didn't realize he was on the team last year. Yeah. I mean, again, it was pretty much McLaurin uh, and Logan Thomas and... Uh, and, the, and, and Antonio, Antonio Gibson. Gibson. Yeah. I got an interesting stand about Antonio Gibson. Go ahead. In college, Antonio Gibson had more receptions than carries. Oh, that's that's interesting. So expect him to really break out in the passing game this year. Okay. Because it certainly wasn't the case uh, last year. They, they used him as like a first and second down, like just pounded in there running back. But that's definitely not his skill set. Uh, not his primary skill set anyways. Well, if it works, it works. And uh, It worked. It definitely worked. I can uh, you that. Uh, Alex Smith, who was one of Jason's uh, favorite players for a long time and, and was it seemed like a good all-around guy, um, he was released and then retired in April after that release. Uh, it turns out later that he had mentioned several things about the football team that he wasn't very happy with how the coaches treated him. Even when he was coming back and starting for the team, he felt like the coaches weren't rooting for him, uh, that, there were, that there were issues there. Yeah. I felt like... Uh, Probably, and I'll talk about this later, it was just sort of the end to a lot of players that had been there for a while uh, with new coaches coming in and not interested at all in, you know, the way that things were being run. Yeah, and, you know, you're never going to hear the coach's point of view. Like, the coaches almost never talk about players. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you never know what players are divas, well, stuff like that. I mean, Ron Rivera, et cetera, must have been endlessly frustrated with the quarterback situation on the football team. Ron Rivera, was this last year, Ron Rivera um, coached his team to the playoffs, and they almost beat Tampa Bay, and Ron Rivera beat cancer last year. Yeah. <laughs> he had a hell of a year. He did a good, uh, a couple good things last year. Uh, acquired free agents, uh, let's talk about the other uh, wide receiver, or some of the other wide receivers that were added to the to the depth of that team. So Curtis Samuel from the Panthers signed a three-year, $34.5 million deal with Washington, and Rivera was looking to trade for Samuel at the end of last year. Of course, Ron Rivera coming from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, signed also the wide receiver Adam Humphreys from the Titans, and Washington was struggling at the slot position. Uh, he had Sims in there, who was supposed to be all right, but never really panned out to be uh, what people were expecting. And uh, they had the existing assets at uh, quarterback Kyle Allen and, and Taylor Heineke. 
So pass and pass. Fitzpatrick will uh, uh, be there now as a, a one-year, $10 million deal, sort of a holdover quarterback until they figure out what's going on there. But this is good news. It's a well-qualified bridge quarterback who also happens to be the best quarterback that McLaurin has ever had throwing him the football. I, you know, I mean, I like Fitzpatrick. He's always got a little bit left in him, it seems. So uh, let's go for it. I, I think uh, I think he's 39 years old, if I if I remember that correctly. And here's yes, a guy. He's just a little older than us. There was <laughs> there was uh, a lot of information about him maybe retiring uh, at the end of the year, and he had some disappointing things with the Dolphins, where he'd he'd go out and have <laughs> a great game. He's just a little younger than us. And then uh, Tungavailoa would come out the next game because uh, the coaches didn't want him to feel like he wasn't the guy. Talk about like some emotional uh, turmoil going on in Miami. Um, regardless, that's gonna screw with the rookie. I I can totally see Fitzpatrick being able to deal with that. Yeah, but that's gonna screw with the rookie. Thankfully, and we'll get to Miami later in the chat. I, they, they've figured out a lot of stuff down there. Um, they signed Lamar Miller as a, uh, a running back, but that's sort of a depth move. They have a couple of pieces ahead of him that will obviously be taking more carries including J.D. McKissick and uh, Antonio Gibson. And Antonio Gibson, speaking of, should be leading this backfield and with some new offensive line talent that they signed, a short-term solution at quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and all of the added wide receiver assets. And the wide receiver assets are probably the biggest thing that they've done here. Um, I think that Antonio Gibson is in line for some good numbers, and I think you were... You yeah, were yeah, like I was saying, well. I think you're going to see a lot of receptions for him this year. So if you're in some sort of... Uh, PPR league, I think that you need to bump him up a little bit higher than his, his ADP. And and then talking about management, uh, we, we discussed Ron Rivera accepting the coaching position in Washington in January of 2020, which was the beginning of last year. Uh, but he also brought over Scott Turner, who is now the offensive coordinator, um, and a handful of other offensive staff positions from Carolina. Articles at the time were like, Ron Rivera leaves, brings all of the offensive staff of the Carolina Panthers <laughs> to the Washington football team. Um, it's no wonder, and again, talking, no about, club, I'm talking about Curtis Samuel, that he's a player that coaches love to put in all sorts of different situations. So both Scott and Ron uh, were clamoring over Curtis and trying to get him on their team. Yeah. They were finally able to. Um, a lot of people think that the deal that they got for him was even under what he's worth. I know that uh, some people in the fantasy leagues that I was in played Curtis Samuel uh, from week to week, and although he would have some games where he didn't get many points, there was a lot of games where he would score multiple touchdowns, be running the ball, getting passes. He's just kind of doing everything. Yep. So this is the year really uh, to test, I think, whether the personnel changes over in Washington, both on the team and the coaching staff, are going to result in something positive. Um, or if not, then there's going to be even more major changes going on there. I think they're going to get at least another year with this coaching staff. They went to the playoffs last year, and they're only seven and nine. They have a lot of room for improvement still. So unless the team totally tanks, uh, I don't know really see that happening. I think that they'll be doing, uh, you know, they'll get to stick around for a while. Let's move on to Los Angeles. So the Los Angeles Rams of St. Louis, no. Um, <laughs> they drafted their first pick overall was in round two, pick number fifty-seven overall. Tutu Atwell. His name is uh, Chatarius. Atwell, so you know, you know, we love the guys with the crazy names. He is a wide receiver. He is their first pick in the draft because they traded away their first round pick for the J in the Jalen Ramsey deal. It wasn't just for him. 
there was some other stuff thrown in there as well. So Admiral's a speedster on the outside. He's a player who can be used to take the top off the defense. The Rams have not had a guy like that in a while. Maybe Brandon Cooks was. Maybe not at the end of his career after all those uh, uh, concussions. And I guess it's not the end of his career, but it is tenure in Los Angeles anyways. So he has similar measurables, uh, Atwell does, to Deshaun Jackson, who is a newly acquired player for the Rams. And I just think he's going to be a great new toy for their other new acquisition, Matt Stafford. Uh, round four, pick 144, 141 overall. It was a compensatory pick. Jacob Harris, he's a wide receiver. Listed as a tight end on some sites. Uh, kind of a late pick, but I, I like the scouting report I read about this guy. He's physically basically the opposite of Atwell. He's 6'5", 219. So you got a guy that's similar to like an Antonio Brown or a Deshaun Jackson, where he's five foot nine, five foot ten, like one seventy five, and then you got this guy who's six five, two nineteen. Um, he was drafted as a wide receiver, listed as a tight end on the CBS transaction site. So don't know exactly where he'll be playing on the field yet, um, but he started off as a soccer player. Uh, a lot of scouting reports compare him to basketball players rather than football players. Um, so he does not really have the technical football pedigree, which I don't mind because when you have a brilliant coach like Sean McVay, I feel like he can teach someone how to play football. It, it, it's the guys who have the natural athletic talent that don't know what to do with it yet that can really, um, you know, explode on the scene from a fourth or a fifth round draft pick. Mm -hmm. So I think that this could be really interesting. Um, this could definitely be a guy that you would want to pick in a dynasty draft in one of the later rounds. Uh, he should go drafted. He should be drafted in most dynasty leagues, I believe. Um, so, you know, he's, quote, um, borderline unguardable in the red zone. Um, so I don't expect a lot out of Harris in his rookie year, um, but he could be a contributor on special teams, thus keeping him on the roster, earning him a bit more playing time. Um, so I, I like this guy. Keep an eye out on, uh, on Jacob Harris. And then you've got Jared Goff, who was traded to the Lions, so he's the departing player. Uh, Blake Bortles was declared a free agent. Josh Reynolds was declared a free agent. Gerald Everett declared a free agent. Um, I don't think Bortles wound up anywhere. Reynolds went to Tennessee. Everett is in Seattle. Malcolm Brown is in Miami. Um, so these guys have all departed the Rams for uh, other places. But to me, it's the Rams getting rid of a bunch of dead weight. I only see improvements to their roster from these cuts. I think that you're going to see Cam Akers getting a ton of work this year because of the exit of Malcolm Brown. So this is huge news if you're Cam Akers owner already. You know, you're looking at a guy who's probably uh, an RB1 this year. So if you um, are able to acquire him cheaply right now for some draft picks or uh, something, something cheap, someone who doesn't realize the better – position that he's in right now. Yeah, you can't acquire him cheaply, I don't think. But, Probably not. But yeah, towards the end of last year, he was doing so well, and now this year, uh, I, I agree, clearly he's going to have a good I think I think we're looking at 300-plus touches for this guy. Uh, so acquired free agents, Matthew Stafford, uh, acquired via trade, but, you know, same difference. Deshaun Jackson, wide receiver, signed as a free agent. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Matt Stafford can do in the Sean McVay offense. It's an understatement, in my opinion, to say that Matt Stafford has been held back by the Detroit Lions. Stafford had only four winning seasons since he was drafted in 2009. Um, but he has 38 game-winning drives. This guy is...
They uh, left for the Broncos and the Jaguars, respectively. Uh, that's going to hurt the defense the defense negatively in the short term. I get the feeling with the Bears that they've chopped into their defense a little bit too much over the last couple of years, and that's going to uh, eventually you know, lead to a bad defensive year for the Bears, and they're going to have to address that and turn it all around. Um, so Mitch Trubisky is now in Buffalo as a backup uh, quarterback, so more power to him. I hope that, you know, that Josh Allen stays healthy for their sake. Uh, so uh, acquired free agents for the Bears. They signed Damian Williams, and that should improve the running back room, giving the uh, Montgomery williams Cohen uh, trio a little bit more beef to them. And adding, obviously, we talked about Andy Dalton. Um, so we're either going to get a full season from Andy Dalton with Fields as a, a guy who's going to learn, and that's if Andy Dalton plays well all year. Mm -hmm. I could totally see a scenario, however unlikely, where Andy Dalton does play well all year long, well enough to keep the job. If they go 11-6, and six, then Andy Dalton's going to keep the job throughout the year, and then they'll just start Justin Fields next year. And we've seen guys who sit for a whole year have a lot of success in their career. Um, it's just that there's a lot of impatience, a lot of thought to you, you're better off learning on the job anyways, and that's, I think, why a lot of these rookie quarterbacks wind up getting a lot of starts. Uh, so restructuring the management, you've got Sean Desai. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Desai. Uh, he is the Bears' new defensive coordinator. He is a Vic Fangio disciple, so that is a little bit of the that magical Vic Fangio defense we saw from a couple years ago uh, returning um, to have some more success, hopefully, where they focus on causing turnovers, they focus on stopping the rush. If the Bears' defense can give their offense short fields, that is going to help both quarterbacks immensely. Whoever gets to play, it's going to help them huge. Well said. Thank you, thank you for filling in. I also don't know if it's Sean Desai or Sean Desai. I'm not sure. Uh, let's pronounce it Desai like Asai. Okay. Asai. Desai. <laughs> I have no idea. But there is a website that, uh, that tells you the pronunciation of players and coaches. Uh, and so I'm sure that we'll use that before our next broadcast and get it right. Or if anybody who's watching uh, this now or afterwards knows how to pronounce that name, let well, me you know. You better believe I'm already Googling this, Dave. Also, a question from Anthony in the chat room. Is 2021 finally the year of Joe Mixon? Since we are not actually mentioning him in these teams, Cincinnati Bengals didn't make the particular cut for the eight highest, most impacted teams. Um, they did get... Uh, they, they had some consideration. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the offense is better there, and they put pieces around the offensive line. And so I think that Joe Mixon will do better than he has been recently. Now, the year There's of... There's no Joe, Giovanni Bernard snapping at his heels. Whether it's the year of Joe Mixon, I think we can safely say it's not the year of Joe Mixon. But uh, <laughs> he, he could end up being a low top 10 running back, and that is well within, like... Uh, you know, the possible outcomes that happen this year. All right, here we go. Decide. We're going to rate that as moderate difficulty. Got it. Okay. Uh, on to <laughs> the Miami Dolphins. So their new draft picks, round one, pick six. Now, they acquired tons of draft picks and dealt them out, and I, I'm not going to make sense of it here. If you go to the 2021 uh, NFL draft Wikipedia page, mm-hmm, you can just hover over 
all of the trades and it'll break it all down for you if you want to try and track it down. But what you're going to wind up with is one of those crazy conspiracy boards with strings going left and right and Pepe Sylvia written across there and they're going to tell you that half these people don't really exist. Yeah. So, I, you know, good luck on trying to track it all. But what we do know is that round one pick six, they drafted Jalen Waddle, wide receiver. He's the second wide receiver off the board in this year's draft. He went before his teammate Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman Trophy last year. So Waddle definitely has a lot of good pedigree to him as well. Um, his slot, his size is going to make him a slot receiver most of the time, uh, which makes sense because the Dolphins already have outside receivers. Um, Waddle's scouting report gushes about his intangibles. Uh, his My favorite line about the intangibles is that he is, quote, a tough undersized receiver who looks like a kid who's been dominating the older kids at, resource, at recess. This is from the Ireland Scouting Services. All my quotes about the scouting reports have been coming from there. Um, so, if these intangibles can carry over to the NFL, he's going <coughs> to pardon me. He'll be a favorite target of uh, Tuvalu pretty quickly, in my opinion, um, because quarterbacks love throwing to guys like that, guys who are going to fight for every single catch, guys who are always going to be fighting to get open, who are never going to quit on play. Um, you know. When, when plays break down, they're the guys who come back to the quarterback. This is going to be uh, Jalen Waddell, every play. So in round three, pick number 81 overall, uh, there is Hunter Long. He is a tight end. He is still unsigned, which was the only rookie in my research today who had not been signed yet. So I'm not sure if there's something behind that or if it is just a matter of uh, paperwork. But he does have the skills to be both a blocker and a pass catcher at tight end. Uh, I think we're going to have to wait for him to get his turn on the field, though, because um, Mike Gusecki was a breakout player last year. I expect Gusecki to have success, uh, continued success this year. Last year, he finishes a tight end seven in fantasy football, uh, half-point PPR. I believe he'll firmly be in the third tier of tight ends at this year's draft, considering you basically have, you know, uh, your uh, Waller, Kelsey, and uh, Kittle at the top, and you got a couple guys in the middle, and then Gusecki is right there at the top of that third tier. Um, so the Dolphins also drafted Liam Eichenberg, an offensive tackle, 42nd overall. He should help protect Tua. Um, I like what the Dolphins did in, in the draft. And then they drafted a ton of defense. And for a head coach like uh, Brian, uh, oh, I can't even think of his name. I was looking at it all damn day. Um, the he, I don't remember. This either. makes great radio, let me tell you. I can't remember the name of a guy. Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Great defensive mind. He's got a lot of defensive toys to play with this year. Let's get a better defense to help out this offense. So, departing players, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a free agent. He left uh, for Washington. DeAndre Washington declared a free agent. Matt Breda declared a free agent. Getting rid of Fitzgerald was inevitable after they drafted Tua last year. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of the dead, rate, dead weight in the running back room was necessary, although they didn't really replace it with any star talent. Uh, what they did is they picked up Malcolm Brown at running back. Fine. They have added Jacoby Brissett as a backup quarterback. Um, I like Brissett as a guy who probably is not as talented as Tua, but has a lot of the same skill set as Tua, who has been in the league a lot longer, has been in several different systems, different systems, including the New England system, which I'm sure any any New England coach who goes to coach somewhere else is trying to build the New England system somewhere else. So uh, to have a guy like Brissett uh, to help 
um, bring along Tua is only going to be a good thing in my opinion. And then they signed Will Fuller. Um, so Fuller is probably the best of the free agent acquisitions on the team. Um, so it's going to improve almost immediately because Fuller has one more game on his suspension left, uh, which he got at the end of last year. So I like the combination of Fuller, Parker, and Waddle uh, and the, as their starting wide receivers to give two a much better uh, look on the field, including Gusecki, I suppose. You'd have to include him in the pass-catching group anyways. Um, you know, I'm just questionable about Will Fuller because of the fact that uh, he's only played for the one team and obviously had a lot of, uh, of chemistry with Deshaun Watson. Uh, and it's it's difficult for me to believe that that kind of long field stretching, you know, almost always big long touchdown receptions yeah. is going to translate uh, to a new quarterback. Like we talked about guys like Mike Wallace, who was also on the Dolphins, uh, yeah, that's but true. then didn't do so well for them in particular. Um, it's uh, certainly possible that Fuller does well. Uh, I just uh, I just think he's of the of the free agent pickups. He's the best, and he will definitely be a starter. Um, oh, I don't disagree with you there, yeah. And, and, you know, with Parker, at, at first I could see Fuller being a focus of the opposing defenses. Mm -hmm. But with if, if Parker doesn't suck, which he's on a slow march to not sucking. Hey, you're excited about Parker because his, his value trending has gone slowly up, right? So we... we um, <laughs> you, have him, you have him in Dynasty, you're like, it's happening. We, we asked a question at the beginning of the show, if you weren't here to join us at the beginning of the show. We said, who is a dynasty player on your Dynasty team that you can't seem to cut? And for two years, that guy on my team was Devontae Parker. And I did not cut him, and he is still on my team. But you waited long enough for him to actually have value. <laughs> I did, and he has value now. That's good stuff. Um, so, hell, like, I imported him preseason 2015. Nice. This is year six he's been on my team. So, let's let's do it. Let's go, Devontae Parker. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, then you've got Malcolm Brown. Uh, he's probably going to be in a committee with Miles Gaskin. Do you see that shaking out any other way, really? I'm not sure what will happen uh, in the, the backfield there. Maybe who, whoever shows that they're any good gets the job, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so management restructuring. This is interesting. Uh, last season, the offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, retired. Um, so this year they have co-offensive coordinators. I've never seen this before. George Godsey, formerly the tight ends coach on Miami, and Eric Studsville, formerly the running back coach on Miami, um, and I cannot recall a situation with co-coordinators on offense or defense. I know that you'll get a situation like you had in Kansas City a few years ago where Andy Reid was the head coach and he called the plays, and then you had Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator designing the offense. Mm -hmm. So you, but, but there was a clear pecking order there. Here you have co-coordinators. I don't know who's supposed to call the plays. I don't know how they want this to play out at all. Right. Uh, and Brian Flores is a defensive guy. So it's not like he's going to be the one calling plays. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, there's a lot of talent on offense now. This is when they need their franchise quarterback to take a big step up. The second year is supposed to be that year for quarterbacks um, to be able to know if it's going to be a guy that they can use for the next 10 years or if they're going to have to go back to the drawing board. So lots of interesting stuff going on in Miami. But uh, take us up the coast, Dave. So we have not one but two teams from New York, back-to-back, uh, -back, two for, uh, We're going to start with the Jets. Uh, but just real quickly, um, there was another question in the chat room about Ezekiel Elliott, and again, I don't think we're covering him anywhere else. 
Um, and it's, is, is he going to kind of return to form? Anthony asked if he's going to come back in a major way. Uh, and what I find interesting about this discussion is uh, I was, I was um, uh, there's a subreddit on, on Reddit called Dynasty FF, and, and I like that particular subreddit because yeah, it centers we'll around well. Dynasty conversations. Now, in every forum that exists, there's going to be some people that are, are idiots and some people that are not adding to the positivity of any discussion. <laughs> but what I liked about this conversation, someone asked about Ezekiel uh, weeks or months ago, I don't remember, and someone said, uh, well, he's in the best shape of his life, according to the news. And then someone else responded, yeah, every player in the NFL is in the best shape of your lives in, in June and July and August <laughs> of the season that they're about to play. Great health. Everyone's feeling wonderful. Everyone just got back from Cabo. Yeah. So what I will say is I think that with Dak Prescott coming back and with Dallas in general feeling like they're going to be a, you know, an okay team, they still have most of their components in place. I don't see why Ezekiel Elliott can't be a top-tier running back. But we saw some horrible things happen with him last year. I might chalk those up to the team just being in shambles. And so I would, I would not have him as my uh, RB1 in a redraft league. But if I own him in Dynasty, I would feel pretty good about him coming back and doing better than he did last year. How about you, Jason? Um, yes, I, I feel a lot better with him this year as long as Dak Prescott can be the quarterback. I think that's the key here because he got, I mean, he played 15 games, um, but his yards per game were down almost 20 yards, uh, and he had way fewer carries last year as well. He just didn't have the same opportunities, uh, and, and everything he did when he touched the ball was less because there was nothing there for him because he was the only focus of the opposing defense. Yeah. So um, the one thing I worry about is that he has, in five years, 1,413 carries and 241 receptions. Yeah. And he's averaging more than 300 touches per year over five years. That is unsustainable. And if you have him in Dynasty, I think that you trade him if he starts out high. That's not a bad, that's not a bad thing to do. And, and you ask for a King's Ransom still, Yeah. but you trade him if he starts out hot because, look, he may be Adrian Peterson and carry this on for another five years. But let's just pretend that, that, oh, there's only one Adrian Peterson. Okay? And Ezekiel Elliott can only do this for seven years. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather have three more draft picks to take a shot at the next Ezekiel Elliott than only a little bit more Ezekiel Elliott left? Yeah, I think you try for the championship. You try to do well. You try to get far. And then if you can't do it and you're you're at the very end of the career, you take as much as if you can. You're, if you're a top-notch team in your league and you've got Zeke, you probably got to roll. Mm -hmm. If you're not one of the top two or three teams in your league, you got to seriously consider trading him when he's hot. 100% right. And it's actually the same in football. So you'll see a lot of players uh, even being traded as long as they're like on the on the last year of their contract or, or even before that. They could sign a new contract but still be traded, uh, you know, two years into that. That's correct. Uh, if the team feels like they're not going in a good direction. That's so correct. That's good advice. Uh, so the Jets, uh, new draft picks. Uh, the general manager, Joe Douglas, ended up with 10 players from the 21 draft. They had a ton of people. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of wheeling and dealing. They made three total trades in that draft to pick up those players. And while they picked up quite a few rookies that should provide talent to the organization for quite a while, the most high profile of them was, of course, the number two overall pick, which was Zach Wilson yeah. from BYU. 
And it can be said that Wilson didn't face uh, as tough a competition as other quarterbacks uh, that played for the Big Ten or SEC because he did play for Brigham Young. And that's 100% true. There's there's nothing that, that really can be said to counter that. It's just they're playing teams that aren't as good. That's How, true. However, the guy was absolutely lights out. But, yeah, sometimes great players come from small schools. Yeah. And or, so, or non-powerhouse schools. Great that he played for a starter his three years, something a lot of uh, college quarterbacks don't have on their record. 56-15 uh, to 15 touchdown-interception ratio, uh, due only to the fact that in his sophomore year he had nine interceptions. I think in the other two years he had three each, Ooh. which is awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you love this news, right? Uh, they they haven't had success, the Jets, at quarterback over the past 20 years, <laughs> des despite drafting three quarterbacks that were all in the first round over that time in uh, Pennington, Sanchez, and Darnold. So this is the fourth one, and maybe fourth time's the charm. Sure, let's, let's rewrite the old cliches. <laughs> Um, wide receiver Elijah Moore was selected as the 34th pick of the second round. He's super fast. 34th overall pick. Um, uh, athletic receiver who may have been the top receiver in college last year, if not for Devonta Smith's season, which uh, I think you brought up earlier. Uh, there are some concerns with his build. He's just 5'9", 178 pounds, uh, similar to, like he said, an Antonio Brown, someone like that. But all the scouting reports say the toughness there. Um, the physical ability that he has, he's not a diminutive 5'9". Uh, he just <laughs> happens to be a shorter guy. Um, but he's been drawing comparisons to Antonio Brown. In reviewing film, I can definitely see why. I uh, looked over this past week at three or four games that he played in, and the guy just looks incredible. Um, round four, pick 107 overall, uh, Michael Carter, running back from North Carolina. He profiles as a good overall complementary back should be utilized right away in the Jets' offense. Uh, looking at their running back room, he might even climb to the top of the running back depth chart by later this season. I can see that being an incredibly good later round pick in redraft leagues or in dynasty rookie leagues because people might sort of fly by him. But the Jets, with a, a resurgence uh, of offense, could have a running back that actually profiles as an RB2, RB3 that you could get for a much uh, lower value. Uh, departing players, they traded uh, Sam Darnold to the Panthers for three draft picks. And the biggest free agent acquisitions, they signed Corey Davis to a three-year deal with $27 million guaranteed, uh, basically making him their wide receiver one going forward, which is arguably their biggest need. Now, they did get rid of their quarterback and get a new one. Uh, so so <laughs> they addressed that need. They've addressed that. But Corey Davis has been doing really well uh, this past year specifically. Uh, with Tennessee, so I, I do think that um, that there could be some some real uh, possibilities of a WR1 Corey Davis um, happening. <laughs> uh, Boy, I, okay. Well, I, it just it just sounds crazy. I, I agree with you. Sometimes receivers take you know the three four five years. Uh, we we always say there's like a, a two year three year wide receiver breakout, and we were waiting for Corey Davis forever. Yep. Um, but hey, it, it seems like he was able to demonstrate it, so maybe it'll work. Uh, you're right; it doesn't. It sounds crazy when you think of Corey Davis. Uh, Just hearing it spoken out loud. <laughs> uh, Tevin Coleman was added on a one-year contract and will clearly have a part in that running back by committee the Jets are assembling. That includes Michael Carter, that we talked about earlier, Ty Johnson, and LaMichael P. Ryan. Now, getting tight end Tyler Croft, just a one-year depth signing and acquiring wide receiver Keelan Cole that we uh, mentioned earlier from the Jaguars, 
those are, are really just uh, bolstering their existing wide receiver room. And I'm, I'm really happy with the Jets having done a good job with that. Not to mention the fact that they secured um, Jameson Crowder for, uh, for more time on the Jets. And he's one of the best possession receivers that there are in the game. So they actually have a team that looks like it's shaping up to be not Jet-like, you know. <laughs> uh, they have a new coach, uh, Robert Sala, and he's... Sala. Uh, Robert Sala. And his all-gas, no-break philosophy might just be what the Jets need to climb out of that hole that we've been talking about over the last few regimes. So he was recently um, uh, the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, and the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, who's the brother of Packers coach, Matt LaFleur, yeah. is going to have a West Coast Shanahan-style offense uh, because he trained under Shanahan as a disciple of him in Cleveland, Atlanta, and San Francisco. Yeah. So uh, this is the best... They were talking about Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Not Mike. This is, the, this is the best new Jets offensive resurgence that I've seen uh, since I've been paying real attention to football. It doesn't mean it's going to work, but it means that it might. Sure. I mean, we thought that when Le'Veon Bell joined the team that things would happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I really like this. I'm reading the scouting report uh, for um, for Zach Wilson, and he's really just like – it sounds like he has an arm probably better than anybody else in the draft. Maybe Trevor Lawrence would rival him, but that's it. Yeah, that's exactly the point is that here's a guy who is going to be um, – um, very, very difficult to defend against those long passes. Excellent deep ball placement, maintains accuracy on the move, go through reads on time, won't delay, won't rush, solid internal clock. Like everything they say about him is exactly what you'd want. Let's just hope that the Jets don't ruin this guy. Yep, and and they kind of almost did with Darnold. They started seeing ghosts out there. So, well, I mean, we can give some credit to Bill Belichick there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, anybody else to worry about in the Jets, or shall we move on? No, just the New York football giants. All right, the New York football giants. Their first pick was round one, pick 20, Kadarius Toney. Uh, so the Giants did trade down, which is something that the Giants GM almost never did. I think this may be the very first time that he traded down to acquire more draft picks in his uh, career as the GM there. Um, so we mentioned that trade already where the Bears got fields. The Giants upgraded their wide receiver position, the place where they've been very weak ever since the departure of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, so Tony, Kadarius Tony, that is, he's a guy who's going to line up all over the field. <clears throat> he's going to catch the ball, carry the ball, return kicks and punts. He's got great agility, or as they say on the Arlen scouting report, he can make tacklers miss in a phone booth. Um, so he's had off-the-field issues, uh, and that... Being in New York City is not going to be easy to, uh, you know, to avoid necessarily. So he's going to have to curb those tendencies. He's going to have to focus on football in order to really be a success. So it seems like maybe they got a little bit of a deal uh, with him because of that. Um, so if they can get this guy to focus, if they can get him to just be a football player and not, um, you know, a big shot in New York City, then he can probably be a really great uh, player on their team. So they spent their next three picks on defensive players. They took a running back in the sixth round. I don't think that Saquon Barkley is worried about his job. So departing players from the football Giants. Joe Webb cut from the team. He was a backup quarterback, special teams guy. Uh, Colt McCoy was at a backup quarterback as well. Alfred Morris was a running back. Deion Lewis running back. Wayne Gallman running back. Um, Devonta Freeman running back. So you can see here 
we cut the entire running back room that was not named Saquon Barkley. <laughs> uh, and the thing is that that entire room did not add up to Saquon Barkley's torn ACL. So they did not have very much talent whatsoever. Uh, they cut Golden Tate as well. Um, that was sort of a experiment that seemed like it was going to go places and just went nowhere. Uh, so as far as the cuts go, Goldman's really the only player of note. Uh, because when he was the backup for Barkley, he was a relevant player. Um, but they're going to streamline the running back room behind Barkley. They've added a bunch of guys there uh, in free agency to sort of fill in. Uh, this way now you've got Daniel Jones, the main focus of the offense. They've got him more weapons at wide receiver. And they've got a healthy Saquon Barkley back. That's going to be huge. Yeah, I feel like Tate is just going to sign maybe another uh – one-year-only deal, that kind of thing. It's, he's reaching the end of his career. As soon as somebody tears something in camp, he's going to get signed somewhere. Yeah. Um, so Kenny Galladay is the big acquisition on this team as far as free agency goes. He signed a four-year contract. He's a wide receiver from Detroit. Uh, Raquel Armstead, I believe, uh, is a running back. Was he with Jacksonville but never actually played? Am I remembering this correctly? Uh, might be. I, I, it's probably one of those guys I had on my uh, on my dynasty squad. But just never played yet. Um, so there's some talent there, I'm sure. Just we haven't seen it yet. Uh, Corey Clement at running back. Um, who else were the running backs they signed? Devontae Booker. Um, so not a lot of big names, but they don't need them. They've got Saquon Barkley. Uh, they also signed Kelvin Benjamin as someone I don't expect to make the 53-man roster. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he will take them to all the good buffets in New York City. And then you got Kyle Rudolph at tight end, uh, and Mike Glennon, a backup quarterback, and John Ross, a wide receiver who could be a bubble guy. Um, so I like the addition of Galladay uh, to the wide receivers on this team. So you've got Galladay and Slayton lining up on the outside, Barkley in the backfield. You're going to take a lot of pressure off of Daniel Jones, and then you're going to be able to throw um, their new guy, Canarius Tony, in there at the slot, and you're going to have a lot of talent on the field. All of a sudden, you've got four weapons. Yep. In, in, more if you count the tight ends. Um, so now you've got Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram backing up. Evan Ingram, a guy due for touchdown regression, meaning he's going to go up. He only had one touchdown last year. Um, yeah, they've been talking about how you know he's still going to maintain his high part in the offense. He's going to have a lot of targets, etc. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a whole contingency of fantasy football heads uh, who think that Evan Ingram will go down in in value. But in my opinion, um, it, for this kind of a team that is doing well in bolstering their, their offense, uh, it seems like there's no reason for, uh, for a guy like him to do, to do badly unless, uh, of course, he, he continues to have drops because that was his main issue previously. Sure. That's like uh, Deontay That's Johnson you can work on. on the Steelers, who's apparently playing with a tennis ball machine, just firing really fast tennis that's, balls at that's him. Kind of, that's what I'm saying. You can work on that. <laughs> so last year... Uh, the Giants were 31st in both offensive points and offensive yards. This year, I expect them to be in the top half of the league. They have a huge, they've greatly improved their offense. Um, so, uh, as far as the management goes, there are no changes at the top for the Giants. Both coordinators are the same, the head coach is the same. Jason Garrett is their uh, offensive coordinator. He is a great offensive mind. He's a former head coach and a professional clapper. So, he's got the best uh, offensive roster that he's had, I think. Uh, since two, 2016, which was the rookie year for Dak, the rookie year for Zeke. He still had um, uh, Des Bryant on the team, still had a younger Jason Witten. Um, so I think this is the best talent that he's had to work with since that team.
All right. I, you know, some of these teams that we're talking about may have improved, but they're still not going to make it to the playoffs. No, there was a four. I mean, we talked about a one-win team. We talked about a four-win team. Yeah. I think we've only talked about three teams that have made the playoffs last year, and one of those teams wasn't even a 500 team. Yeah. And, and the other one was the Chicago Bears. And some of those teams, like, <laughs> like Washington, only made the playoffs because of the horribleness of their division. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. Yeah, most of these teams are not. The Rams are, like, the only team that deserved to make the playoffs last year yeah. that, we're, that we're talking about. Well, the Rams still have, like, uh, you know, five or six years to go uh, after making the Super Bowl and just performing so horribly in order to save any kind of face or have anyone forget that. I think that the Rams with Stafford are going to be a different team. Yeah, 100%. Uh, last team on our list is the Los Angeles Chargers, and the new draft picks like the Washington football team that I talked about. The Chargers decided to prioritize offensive line and defensive players in the first two rounds of this year's draft, including drafting cornerback Asante Samuel Jr., who is apparently just like his dad, which is super scary, because the Pro Bowl uh, playing Asante Samuel was a very good defender. So um, uh, all the scouting reports and everything have, have said basically that this guy is going to be in the news, in the NFL news, and he's going to be out there doing well. But we're not talking too much about defensive players, uh, so I would like to talk about uh, Justin Herbert and the guys on the Chargers. Oh, yeah. With Keenan Allen and Mike Williams already playmakers on the field, uh, the Chargers kind of surprisingly decided to draft another wide receiver. In round three, they took Josh Palmer from Tennessee, and he should be eased in and may end up securing the wide receiver three position by the uh, midseason or the end of the year. Because the two guys that are uh, in his way are Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. And uh, those aren't names that you hear called out, uh, you know, on the field very often. Uh, so it's interesting to note that Mike Williams is in a contract year. Uh, he's getting paid $15 million this season because they kept, you know, pushing his uh, his money to the end of his contract. Okay. But they still want him. Uh, so they're not going to let him go. They're going to let him play out, maybe even re-sign him. But what's interesting about the situation is that they drafted Palmer. So, uh, depending on how Palmer and Williams perform, Josh Palmer may end up as the WR2 on the Chargers in 2022. It's possible. Uh, it's an interesting situation to look at. Keenan Allen, for example, just signed a contract with the Chargers for four years as an extension in 2020. So he'll be around for a little while, but Mike Williams uh, is either going to secure his place there or maybe be going somewhere else um, next year. Also picked in the third round, tight end Trey McKitty from Georgia was added as depth, and so was uh, six-round selection running back Larry Runtree the third out of Missouri. It should be noted that last year pretty much all the running backs on the Chargers roster were injured at one point or another. <laughs> so it's not a big wonder to me that they added more depth, but a six-round running back is probably not going to provide any value on your team, Dynasty, or otherwise. Trey McKitty, though, is an interesting guy to, uh, to think about because uh, apparently his... Uh, uh, his scouting reports have been pretty positive, and it's certainly possible that the Chargers are looking for another person to take over for Hunter Henry having left. Um, I will mention that they just recently acquired Jared Cook from the Saints, but only for a one-year deal. Uh, he's definitely the pass-catching and red zone target replacement for Hunter Henry. But he's only on a one-year deal, and he's an older tight end. So McKinney, uh, look at him in dynasty leagues, especially as perhaps someone uh, that could be groomed to be the tight end there in what is a pass-happy offense on the Chargers. Departing players, quarterback Tyrod Taylor went to the Texans, who might actually start there, uh, depending on all this Watson uh, stuff that's going on. 
And uh, tight end Steven Anderson and Hunter Henry, like I mentioned earlier, also departed. Did you find out some interesting information? Uh, I see Steven Anderson still on the death chart for the Chargers. No, I think he either departed or wasn't resigned. But don't look at depth charts because they're not updated. Well, it's more of a roster, but anyways. Um, no, I don't really have any... Okay, new coach from, uh, 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 we, we, you mentioned him earlier, Brandon Staley, uh, couldn't have landed in a better spot, in my opinion, and the offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who is the grandson of Vince Lombardi and the former quarterback's coach for the Saints, yeah. is apparently going to have a lot more put on the quarterback this year, according to Justin Herbert, who was being asked about the new offense. Uh, I guess uh, Drew Brees is also a guy who might come in and help him out. Uh, which is a really nice thing to just kind of have on the docket. Um, the That's interesting. Breeze did originally start with the Chargers. Right. And then he's friends with uh, with the Lombardis. And, like, uh, everything might come up Herbert this year. The Chargers were also see that. graded by PFF, uh, uh, Pro Football Focus, I think it is, as having the most improved offensive line in the NFL over last year. And I'm regularly seeing the Chargers in the top ten of this season's early power rankings. Which is super impressive to me because the Chargers uh, had a rookie quarterback. They had a coach that got dipped. You know, they had a lot of issues in some of their positions. Uh, they were filled up by excellent drafting, uh, free agent acquisition, and the the management restructuring that they've done has been very good in my opinion. So uh, it wouldn't be that surprising to see the Chargers make a run uh, even this early in Herbert's development. I agree. I, I like the Chargers this year. Um, a lot of good football going to be played in Los Angeles this year. Mm. And they got the new stadium for so they can both play there. So honorable mentions of other teams that we didn't include. Uh, we had the 49ers on there. Uh, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have managed to keep their team nearly exactly the same since last year. So it's sort of the opposite of what we were talking about. <laughs> but they get an honorable mention for, you know, winning the Super Bowl and <laughs> keeping the same team. And both the Minnesota Vikings and the Cleveland Browns, who both spent time concentrating on the acquisition of uh, depth and elite skill on their defense have improved themselves a great deal as well, which is scary, but not a lot to talk about on the offensive side. Yeah, um, uh, the Patriots are going to look really different, I think, with the, uh, a couple of tight ends. Uh, we'll bring them up in a second. And uh, the Eagles, I think, with uh, Jalen Hurt uh, being a starter. I, should be interesting. I got no respect for the Eagles. I, I don't either. And they're <laughs> uh, one of the teams that is picked to be the worst record this year. Oh, man. Wouldn't it be great if the Jets were, were like a 500 team and the Eagles... Uh, like, I think the Texans yeah. and the Eagles are some of the teams that you can bet on to have zero wins. Yeah, if you're doing some gambling, I'm sure we'll put some on the website, drink5.com. Uh, regularly we have columns about that, but uh, generally there's a team or two that is just good to bet against all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So players on the move that we did not talk about, Julio Jones was traded to the Titans after some bizarre offseason stuff. Uh, <laughs> so uh, do you think that the Titans are going to be able to use Jones the right way, or is he kind of washed up now? I think A.J. Brown is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the Titans shouldn't have gotten rid of Johnny Smith. I think that was a mistake on their part. I think if they knew they could acquire Julio Jones, they would not have gotten well, it's rid of it's a different thing. The tight end, you know, they don't have, like, a good blocking tight end on their team any longer, which is a problem. Yeah, Ferkser is meh. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people are thinking that Ferkser is a sleeper candidate, and I just don't think so. But to answer your question, 
AJ Brown is awesome. Whenever you have uh, someone who commands respect like Julio, as long as he's healthy and everything is going well with him and Tannehill, there's no reason why they can't uh, uh, both create opportunities for each other. Yeah, I think they have a chance to both get a thousand yards. Well, that would be cool. That reminds it's me a of like chance, not a great chance. Like Andre Johnson and like old uh, Houston Texans stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 see it. Yeah. So Hunter Henry and John Smith, uh, both tight ends signed by the Patriots. Do you think that Belichick is trying to recreate a Gronk Hernandez thing, or is this something completely new? I think Belichick is is an old guy that wants to go back to things that worked. So I think yes. Oh. Uh, however, uh, the strange thing about the about the Hunter Henry John thing is that both guys are pass catching tight ends. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, I think that Bill Belichick likes to um, to confuse defenses, and so I feel like if you have either of those guys on your team, it's likely that he's going to pretend to use them all the time, but not really use them. That's what I think. I, I agree with you. <laughs> he's like I think he's trying something out. new. Yeah, and that's going to be part of it. So Carson Wentz is now a signal caller for the Colts. Wentz got benched for a rookie last year, but. Can you find the old magic with his old coach, Frank Reich? What do you think? I think that the Colts are a much better team than the Eagles. Yeah, they were almost on my list of improved teams. Yeah, and I think that uh, because they didn't have as much as many changes, you know, they're not they didn't quite make the list. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I mean, what they have? Oh, they had Philip Rivers last year. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a slight downgrade from Philip Rivers. But I think in a couple of years, he could be, you know, as good as a Philip Rivers who has just touched the system. You know, not, not Philip Rivers in general as in his pride, but, um, you know, I, I think that it's a good idea to reunite a coach with a quarterback who both had success together. Yeah, and, and Carson Wentz deserves another shot, but it, it's so weird to me to think of a guy who um, was doing so well um, and it hasn't been that long and fell so far. Yeah. A lot of times those players are just losing interest or they've lost their spark or they've had some uh, athletic drop-offs. Um, I think the Colts are still a good team defensively and have a lot of offensive components. A change of location could really go a long way there. Yeah, like Indy, it's a great place to live. I'm sure. Speaking of great places to live, <laughs> moving from Los Angeles to Detroit is one Jared Goff. Oh, poor Goff. Uh, so the Lions finally uh, let Stafford go. Sweet, sweet relief for the Stafford family. Um, <laughs> so now they can fail a new quarterback. It's Jared Goff. Can he possibly have any success in Detroit? The answer is no. I, you know who I think will have a lot of success in Detroit? Um, the newest Motown artist? No. I think TJ Hawkinson is going to be a good tight end for a really long time. Oh, yeah, I could totally see that. But I, I'm pretty sure the rest of Detroit... You often get good tight ends on bad teams. I'm pretty sure the rest of Detroit is not going to be very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the last uh, person that you mentioned is Emmanuel Sanders, so I'll give this one uh, uh, to you to comment on. But for the Bills, they just take away John Brown, put in Sanders... Uh, playing uh, opposite of all-world wide receiver Stefan Diggs, who led the league in both receptions and receiving yards last year. Yeah. Uh, so do you think Sanders can actually stay healthy, which is something that John Brown couldn't do, uh, and warrant a wide receiver kind of position, uh, like a wide receiver three flex on your on your roster? Yeah, I think that Sanders is going to be uh, in a great spot here with Josh Allen. Josh Allen loves to fling the ball down the field. 
Uh, Emmanuel Sanders found a way to get open. He had like seven touchdowns last year, something like that. And 1B, do you have Sanders on your dynasty team? Do I still have him on my team? I think I might. I know he was on my team before. I just, yep. I always wonder if there's like a subconscious thought in the back of your head, like, hmm, this player could do well. Oh, yeah, he's on my bench. You, so you know what I do in Dynasty is I get Steelers receivers. I have my starters in week 16 last year were Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Emmanuel Sanders. It was probably great. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how well I did. I, I was... I'm the first overall pick, so my team wasn't very good. Well, the Steelers know how to raise wide receivers, I'll tell you that much. That's very true. Um, and the Steelers are not one of the most improved teams this year, as so many other teams are not as well. However, they, they did pick up Harris in the uh, in the draft, which a lot of people think uh, may be one of the running backs that have the most carries this next year. So I'm excited about that as a Steelers fan. Yeah, I mean... I'm not too high on the Steelers this year. I don't know You're crazy. that Ben Roethlisberger can do very much. If Ben Roethlisberger can play well, the Steelers will go as far as he can take them. Yeah. But if he does not play well, they are going to struggle to be 500. Well, I, I think, as they always do, they uh, they will probably surprise you in their, in their, uh, their end result. Look, Mike Tomlin is a top three coach in the league. I mean, I might I might want Andy Reid or Bill Belichick ahead of him, but that's it. <laughs> I, I think I take Tomlin before Pete Carroll uh, and before anybody else. Well, anyone who is able to keep Antonio Brown under wraps for uh, that long, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a good coach in the locker room. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, final thoughts from you, or anything else you want to add? I, I think that this particular list was interesting. Uh, as we progress, uh, and and you know, a few weeks through another one of these shows. Uh, perhaps uh, someone out there has ideas for us. We, of course, have a million things that we could discuss about uh, developing teams, uh, camp battles, all sorts of things like that. But if you have any specific ideas, uh, leave them in the chat room or email me at uh, daviddrink5.com or jason at drink5.com. You can drop us a line on Twitter at drink5. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, great chat, Dave. It's really, really excellent to be back. I think that you guys will hear from us again in a couple of weeks, uh, two or three weeks at the most, and uh, you know, not promising anything at the moment. <laughs> However, um, <laughs> it's really nice to be researching this stuff again. Between now and the next show, we will probably have done two dynasty drafts, two rookie drafts. So we'll have a lot to talk about about this year's upcoming rookies, and uh, maybe we'll dive in a little bit more to uh, all the rule changes and how you can... Uh, look at adjusting your league. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll do like a whole segment on, um, you know, uh, administrative stuff. Yeah, I mean, are, are there are there issues that you're having as a commissioner uh, or things that you haven't thought of or different kinds of, uh, of leagues that you might be interested in doing? Oh, I'd love to answer questions. If people have problems that come up as a commissioner, um, you know, I've been commissioning leagues for over 10 years now. I have multiple leagues every year and I've seen it all at this point. Well maybe we'll do and, like uh, I'm not saying that I've yeah. I, I haven't handled it all in the exact way that I would handle it today. <laughs> but you know what? You learn and you do things better the second time around. It's a learning process. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for joining us everybody. Uh check us out again and uh follow us on uh well, you can subscribe to us on YouTube, you follow us on Twitter. Uh give us a review anywhere that you listen to this podcast. Uh, give us five-star review, please, even if you don't like it. 
and uh, yeah, we're like your, helps us. your Uber drivers that just talk about fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, which I wouldn't mind if there was an Uber driver I had that just talked about fantasy on the way to the airport. Yeah. I would love that. Guy. The Uber driver lets you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast the whole way, lets you smoke in the back, whatever. You know, <laughs> you can smoke a cigarette if you give us a five star review. <laughs> I give you permission to smoke in the studio. You, no, but you, <laughs> you can smoke in your own home while you're watching the video. That's I give fun. you permission to smoke in your own home. <laughs> Well, well, thank you, everybody, and thank you, Jason, and uh, uh, and good night, folks. Uh, with Cheers. Thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat room. With that, we'll take you out with a little uh, buffer music. I suppose I should remember to do that. <laughs> We're a little rusty in the final week of the year, or the first week of the year.